0: Hello everyone. And welcome to our next interview. I'm excited today to have an opportunity not only to officially interview our guest, but really I have to say personally, I'm excited about catching up with Jasmine for a couple of different reasons. We've known each other for a while. I mean, it's been a long time since we reconnected. So I always love these opportunities in these interviews where I get a chance to kind of get caught up on all the great things and really kind of the many hats that someone like Jasmine is wearing in our community. Um, if many of you don't know Jasmine, she's not only the amazing or one of the amazing voices behind our hen house with many of us kind of, I would say, grew up on as vegans. Yes, we grew and matured into vegan um, activists out there in the world, but also Jasmine's written books. You have probably read many of her. Absolutely. So let's ground everyone as we're getting started with maybe a little bit of how long you've been vegan, and maybe give everyone a little bit of backstory on your vegan journey, just so they have a little bit of perspective, as we have a few people who maybe are new to veganism and getting introduced to you and the work you've done.
1: Sure. I've been vegan for like 16 or 17 years. I, I don't know exactly. Uh, let's see. I was 24 and I'll be 41 so you can do the math okay. <laughs> and I, I I was a theater major not, not a math major and I have been active in animal rights since the second I went vegan so it's been quite a journey I've seen a lot of changes as I'm sure you have too we all remember those dark days of vegan cheese yes they don't remember it but we took one for the team you're welcome <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I always remember when it was like the vegan X, you know what I mean? Whether it was the vegan cheese, the vegan mayo, the vegan substitute was the one and only piece of sometimes cardboard that we were chewing on um, at the time, Um, but we were doing it for good reasons. Yeah. So maybe walk everyone through where you are today, Um, because through the years, I know you've done so many amazing things in our community. So do you want to give everyone a little bit of background on and maybe let's do the journey. Let's explain what you've done and then how has that changed or where are you today?
1: Sure. Yeah, thank you. When I went vegan, I was 24, trying to be an actor in New York and going to the, you know, unfortunately named Cattle Calls. And it is ironic because at one of those giant auditions where there's like, you know, hundreds of actors in a room, like stepping over each other, I got to know Marisa Miller-Wolfson who made the film Vegucated, and she was vegan. And you know how it goes, you meet the vegan. (laughs) And I was also, my my money job that I got paid for was as an AIDS awareness actor, theater educator. So I would go into inner city schools in New York and I would educate young people on AIDS and safer sex communication, uh, things like that. And so I felt like I was an activist already. I was a longtime vegetarian by then. I had gone vegetarian in in college when I I decided meat was icky and that it it suited my uh, you know image to be vegetarian <laughs> like the very pretentious smoking clove cigarettes and uh, wearing all black and then just thinking it just was an extension of that. But when I went vegan at twenty four, it was because I learned about the exploitation of the reproductive systems of of the animals and how dairy is really a a perversion of motherhood so i felt like it didn't align with my feminist values to continue to consume them it wasn't for many years after that that i thought about the other side of that system and the, Mm the the cows the the male cows the steers who have to be uh you know forcibly extraction of their semen and it never occurred to me like how does that happen that's also rape, you know, and, but at the time I I really was contextualizing it in terms of like being very in touch with my own reproductive self, my own, uh, you know, body and not wanting to partake in something that would oppress other, uh, other female bodied animals. So I went vegan. I immediately went down to PETA (laughs) and started volunteering, I eventually got a job at Farm Sanctuary as the campaigns manager where I worked for a while. And I started writing for a variety of different outlets, including Satya Magazine, which was an incredible social justice magazine. You might remember it. Yes, I do. (laughs) And then I started writing for Badge News as well. And I realized that's, you know, I wanted to do media and I wanted to do writing. So that's when I, uh, along with Marianne Sullivan, started Our Hen House, which was. Uh, 11 years, almost 11 years ago. Now we started our Hen House, which is a media hub. It's a nonprofit that produces podcasts. We are 500 and I don't know, we're over 550 episodes in. we've never missed a week of production. And it basically is a place for people who want to change the world for animals to come to learn about a variety of perspectives. Uh, So that really parlayed my career into focusing on media and writing, uh, and I eventually wrote my first book, which was a memoir, and it was about food addiction and, and body image and, and where veganism came in and how that liberated me from negative mindsets. I have another book coming out this year. So um, I did wind up as the senior editor of Veg News, where I was for a few years, and now I'm a freelance editor there. And I am the content director at Kinder Beauty, which is a vegan and cruelty-free beauty subscription box. So that's the, I, I wear a lot of hats. I like to keep very busy. Uh, I'm excited about my book coming out later this year, which is called The Veg News Guide to Being a Fabulous Vegan, which I wrote in partnership with Veg News. And I'm just working hard, trying to change the world for animals, just like you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's... It's great to hear all the different kind of work that you're doing because of its, at least in my mind, the diversity of it. You know, working with brands, um, doing writing, creating a media hub and keeping that sustainable, alive all these years. And like you said, never missing a, a weekly production date is something that I really applaud you for because there's many of us that have start and stopped a project. And it's wonderful to kind of know that Um, that you've been there, and I'm going to even say personally for me, (laughs) as I've gone through my journey, you know, if I've kind of moved through, you know, my expression of what veganism means to me. And then I just want to even unpack a little bit about your book, especially the first, the first book, not, um, we'll, we'll talk about the, the new book that's coming out as well. But I love, the idea of how you explore yourself, self-image, and so forth through, your, through the lens of veganism. I think a lot of times when people think about us being vegans is we're kind of like we get one label as if that's the only thing we are, if that's the only way we see ourselves. And I really love when there's an opportunity for us to dig a little bit deeper and see that we are kind of a little bit more multifaceted. And we also see the world differently, even as vegans. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on that at all, any. but how how has that book helped you not only see the world differently, but even see our vegan community maybe a little bit differently?
1: Yeah, thank you, Stephanie. The, the book you're talking about is called Always Too Much and Never Enough. It should be noted that Mary Trump wrote a book recently called Too Much and Never Enough. This is not that book. I am not... Donald Trump's niece. Uh, But, you know, hopefully people stumble across my book and go vegan when they're looking for hers. Anyway, uh, the book is always too much and never enough. And I believe strongly in the power of personal narrative and in storytelling as a means to. Uh, achieving social change and working towards social justice. I think the animal rights community is just beginning to touch on that. And so if you know me for more than 10 minutes, I'll probably start assigning stories to you and talking about good article ideas and like, Hey, where's your memoir? Because the truth is, I think that we, when we get down to it, when we get down to the struggles that each of us has at night, when we're lying in bed, can't fall asleep, there is, a great similarity between us and the next person, regardless of whether we're vegan or not, regardless of so many different factors. We all have fears. We all have, you know, early childhood stuff that we're trying to deal with for the rest of our lives. And for people like you and me, it winds up manifesting through activism and through trying to relentlessly pursue justice. For me, the personal and the political intertwined. And that's where always too much and never enough came up. I think that food is a deeply personal political act, perhaps the most personal political act, eating. And when I started to really pick apart the issues from my life as they intersected with my food, with my lunch, with my refrigerator, whatever, I started to realize how tied all of that was to body image issues, to my mother, who was always this very beautiful, thin person as I was, like, you know, the fat kid trailing behind her. How did that impact me? How did the bullying impact me? And how did that childhood bullying impact me as an adult when I learned about the bullying of animals? It all kind of came together, and the only way that I was able to really reach this layer of, like you know, uh, self radical self care and enlightenment in a way that I needed to be the best activist I could be, I had to stop and take care of myself, which was something I had not been doing. So that's what always too much and never enough is about my journey to veganism through the lens of exploring the many different facets of food as social change.
0: Perfect. And I love what you're saying about how It's important for us sometimes to stop and take care of ourselves, how important it is to make sure that we are kind of shoring up ourselves so that we can be, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but so we can be the best version of us as we move forward, as we try to drive change, and that we're not trying to drive change as perfect individuals. Um, Not as the person who's necessarily got it all figured out, but as a person that continues to learn and continue to stop and repair, reassess, reevaluate. Because I think that's been... And making kind of a segue to this year, I think that's been a theme of 2020. In my opinion, it feels like 2020 has been much more of an awakening for a lot of people of how they see issues differently, how some issues they've really kind of avoided or turned a blind eye to, or it doesn't happen in my community, so I don't I don't have to deal with it day to day. And I think our worlds have started to collide a little bit different. Um, Lee in 2020, and people are now starting to understand that we must all fight, Um, that we can't just look at our community, our group, you know, our cousin, you know, our immediate family as the fight, um, or our immediate cause, that our causes sometimes are going to kind of overlap with other causes. I don't know, how, how have you taken 2020 in stride? What has been maybe one of your lessons learned, especially as a person that has kind of understood not only how politics has influenced the world, how social change must come about and how sometimes slow social change comes. I'm just curious, how have the headlines of 2020 impacted you?
1: Uh, Well, uh, as an animal activist and as a longtime vegan, I think that it's hard to recognize that so many of the things going on this year are...
0: Yeah, I love how this year has really kind of made many of us as vegans and me even particularly think about where is our role as a vegan community in social injustice, especially in the Black community. Even myself, Um, I've been waving the flag around even in our vegan community to say, hey, let's make sure that we are being diverse. We are not muting voices Um, because one of my bigger complaints has always been even in our diversity of our speakers at events. You know, I haven't seen that. And I'm really hoping this year. Creates an opportunity for all of us to reexamine the choices we make. I've talked on other interviews where I even made the mistake. I was setting up my website for the first time when I first made it, and I was just putting any photos on the site. And a friend of mine was like, "You don't have any black folks on your site," and I'm like, "I didn't even think about it because I didn't see it as I it wasn't my priority. It was necessary. It was me getting the website up it up and running. And I started to understand." how many people can run down that path, how they can make that mistake. And I'm so glad I had a friend to remind me to say, these are things that are important. The photos you choose on your website represent who you're talking to, the language that you use, you know, the people that you interview, the individuals that you include in your blog post, the people that you hire. So I I say that to say that it's been very, I guess, to me, been very inspiring this year how many people are starting to re-examine everyday decisions that they're making and making sure that they're making those decisions with the, through the right lens.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I've been really honored to be working with Encompass this year and with Sentient Media through a collaboration between Encompass, Sentient Media, and our henhouse on what's called Encompass Essays, Pursuing Racial Justice in Animal Advocacy. And currently, every two weeks, we have a different essay go up at at Sentient Media. I'm I'm the editor of all of these pieces, so what a privilege it is to be on the other end of these articles, helping, you know, leaders in the animal protection movement to really find not only their voices around this matter, but to really lay out next steps for what can be done both individually and collectively in order to pursue racial justice within animal advocacy, because it's been such a massive problem. And I'm seeing things shift. This would all stemmed from Encompass, which is an incredible nonprofit helmed by Ariane Ashberti. Encompass trains activists and organizations to prioritize DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I attended a training earlier this year on that, and our hen house was a sponsor of it. And at one point, I raised my hand and I said, What if we all put together a collection of essays? and And that's how this started. And it's really been an incredible journey. And what's most enlightening for me about it, is that we are not just writing essays, but we're finding our personal story, we're confronting uh, a a lot of white activists, such as myself, who are taking part in it, are confronting our role in white supremacy culture, how we have stayed comfortably in that, which is a way of perpetuating it and using our white silence, and how we can support people of the global majority to really propel the animal rights movement forward in a way that has been desperately needed for a long time. 2020 has allowed us the opportunity to talk about that in new ways, though of course we should have been talking about it 20 years ago, but I'm glad we're talking about it now.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's the key is I'm glad we're doing it now. I'm glad we're having these conversations even when we're having other difficult times because I think sometimes what will happen is we only feel like we can handle one issue at a time So with the pandemic, with social injustice, with the things we want to do in the animal rights movement, we start to feel like, well, I can only do one. Which one should I choose? And I really believe that what this year has shown a lot of people is that you don't have to choose one, that you don't have to feel like, well, I only have time for this. So I'm, I I have to, you know, put it in the small box. But that there's an opportunity for us to make impact across multiple things. And there's also an amazing intersection in a lot of these movements, which have to do with, you know, how we treat each other, has to do with how we stand up for each other, how we, you know, give voice to either voiceless or individuals um, that are marginalized, and also how we, how we fight for others. How, like you even said before, how do we fight for our communities? Um, and I think I don't know, to me just twenty twenty has 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 opened that door a little bit wider on the idea that we don't have to be one topic at a time. I don't know if you feel the same or feel different.
1: Yeah, I think we can't be. I mean, I first of all, like, you know, I came from a, a history in LGBTQ activism. I am in the LGBTQ community. So for me, the first article I ever had published. What was about people who make those connections and 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 people who speak at the intersection of of multiple different types of uh, activism? And for me personally it's it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to be vegan because i I don't believe that it's up to me to y- use someone else's life. but if i'm going to be if I'm gonna use that as a through line that I have to also uh, you know reject white supremacy culture and work against it actively. And so it's not a matter of like choosing that over animals because at the same time, I'm not eating the animals. So, you know, the same could be said on the flip side. It's I think a wonderful thing when people who are primarily focused on a different social justice issue or a different movements choose to go vegan. You know, maybe they do so quietly, maybe they're on on the vegan Facebook groups, but there are a lot more people who are leaning partly or fully into veganism as an extension of their worldview of compassion. And what's going on today is a great opportunity for people to just sort of re reconsider the choices that we're making and whether they're in alignment with who we want to be. And for me, that's, that's, that's caused me to move across the country this year, you know, driving because we we didn't want to fly, you know, in an RV with my, in a rented RV with three dogs and a cat (laughs) and, and like get here because ultimately, you know, the East coast feels like home for me. And I think that the question that many of us can ask ourselves is what is home for us? It might be a place, it might be a set of people who are safe, who are, who are supporting us it's our community it might be a way of expressing our activism what does home mean are we making choices that are that are taking us the next step toward our authenticity or are we depleting ourselves so those are some questions i ponder all the time and i love working with writers and activists to ponder them in a way that can resonate with others
0: Absolutely. We had a couple of people just give us some hellos. Sierra said, Aloha, vegans. We also had um, Himanshu said, Hey, and Diana told us that the future is vegan. So it's really great um, when... Um, Not only I love it when everyone shares your comments, if you do have any questions while we are live, um, we will definitely take your questions as well. And if you watch this as a replay and want to post a question, I will try to address it or I will make sure that I get it over to Jasmine to get her perspective and her response um, and get Jasmine's response as well. So one thing before we kind of wrap up today's session is let's talk about your professional hat. We've spent a lot of time on the activist side and I don't want to kind of divide those. I really more want to talk about how the You know, your activism has created this maybe professional opportunity for you, how you've blended that together and how you see yourself as, you know, like we were saying kind of in this interview, you're a vegan, you're an activist, you know, you're a writer, you're an author, you're a podcaster. All of these hats kind of create this professional, have created this professional career and trajectory for you. And I'd love for you to maybe share what you, have you been surprised? By the opportunities that you've been able to create in, you know, based on the things that you love and the things that you're passionate about, because I think for a lot of people, when they think about their careers, they don't always feel like they can align them. So, if maybe you can give us a little bit of perspective on, you know, the road you've traveled and how much of where you are today is where you thought you would be, or if it's been a little bit of a um, a surprise or a, a pleasant kind of arrival for you.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. I think that for a lot of people, they might not have the same story as me, or there's other factors, like maybe you have kids, that's certainly going to keep you confined to a certain area for a while, probably. Um, Maybe you have a particular job that, you know, is is very nine to five and is within certain parameters you wouldn't necessarily be able all of my dogs are shaking right now like shaking out with their like bells so sorry for the dog shake noises oh that's okay <laughs> <I love something. laughs> so uh for me i think it's been um wonderful like i i've i always wanted to focus on writing and on you know, presenting and and acting. I mean, my background is in acting. I got back into acting recently. I did a film called The Brahmitzvah and I kept kind of improvising these vegan lines, which was sort of like you were allowed to improvise and they just left it and they made my character vegan. So I'm able to put it in here and there. Yeah. Uh, it has been, there isn't a division between my work and my activism or in my life. I mean, it's all one thing. That said, I have hobbies that are separate from, from it, But, you know, for the most part, it's what I eat, sleep, and breathe. And uh, I always wanted to do the things I'm doing. I just do them from the focus of changing the world for animals. For me, my work at Veg News allows me to focus on things from a mainstream or a more mainstream lens. Same with Kinder Beauty, mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of non-vegans or not yet vegans who come across Veg News or come across Kinder Beauty whereas our hen house is very activist oriented. So like I'm able to kind of then wear my activist hat, go a little further with my books. I think it's it's really the storytelling that people are most interested in. And as a result of that, I I think it's, it's a more, it's like a safer way for them to contextualize the possibility of going vegan. In my early days, I used to hand out brochures in Union Square on going vegan. Nowadays, I kind of hand someone a book about like, you know, my experiences with food and Oh, oops, it's a vegan book. <laughs> it just doesn't necessarily say that on the jacket. Mm-hmm. So uh, for other people who are working in fields, I would say there might be creative ways to get vegan advocacy into what you do depending upon what you're doing where you are there might be a committee you could join that's like you know the climate change committee at the college where you work for example where you can say hey how about we make these vegan meals at these meetings and hey i have something to say about the connection between animal agriculture and climate change or maybe it's you know if you're a dentist maybe it's a matter of like you know having some vegan Books and magazines in the waiting room. There are creative ways of bringing veganism to our work, even if it's not what we do. And uh, for me, everything has built on the next thing. I gave you the Cliff Notes version, but you can even see in that, like, yeah, I started out as the campaigns manager for Farm Sanctuary. There was some writing involved in that, so that brought me to writing articles, and then. I started to do some media stuff, which helped me to start our hen house. And then I made some connections that got my book published. It's about like recognizing the things that you're doing as, you know, steps towards something and identifying what the end goal is. If the end goal is to change the world for animals, how do you want to do it? Do you want to do it through media, through legal means, through grassroots, through, you know, something more artistic expression, you know? Or is it through entrepreneurship? And if so, COVID has created a really interesting opportunity for us to look at being an entrepreneur in new ways. For example, at like Kinder Beauty, you know, we're doing really well because people still want to get beauty subscription boxes in their in their mail, even if they're sitting at home on their, you know, social distancing or staying safer at home. They still wanted to arrive that gives me the opportunity to get some more vegan messaging into it. So it's about finding the opportunities in our lives even now. And you might be surprised to learn that there are more opportunities than not.
0: Absolutely. I so agree with you that there are a lot of opportunities out there for many of us and sometimes it's making sure we we start with that perspective of looking for the opportunities, start with that perfec- perspective on What is my purpose and what am I doing um, and what kind of impact I want to make so you can open yourself up to those opportunities? Well, I have kept you a little bit longer than we normally do for our interviews, but I really have enjoyed being able to kind of chit chat and I feel like we covered a lot of topics um, today and I hope that everyone that's been listening or watching, however you consume this, either through our live sessions, through our podcast, or even if you just watch our videos, um, whenever you get a chance, I hope you've not only had a chance to get to know Jasmine, but also be inspired by Jasmine's story by Jasmine's journey and Jasmine's impact and seeing that, um, not to just completely use Jasmine's words, but the idea that there's so many different ways that we can all do it. So if you are doing it through entrepreneurship, which I'm a huge advocate for, I love it, but there's other ways to do it as well. Um, I do a lot, even on my, through my activist um, driven and passion around, you know, volunteering and being on boards and things like that is a way I like to do it. Um, so I really think there's a lane for many of us out there. So I'm hoping today that might've inspired some of you that are listening. Jasmine, do you want to give everyone a little bit of um, maybe background on how they can get in touch with you, whether it's through the website, through the brand, through the business, um, and yeah. then also any final words you'd like to share?
1: Thank you, Stephanie. First of all, I just want to say I'm a longtime fan of yours and I'm really honored to be here talking to you right now. You've been a a, a fixture in the animal rights and vegan communities for a long time and it's nice to see you and I appreciate all you're doing. Uh, so to get in touch with me, I hope that if people are listening to this, they tune into the Our Hen House podcast. So just listen where you, where you listen to podcasts and you can also visit my website, jasminsinger.com. There's no E on Jasmine. (laughs) So it's J-A-S-M-I-N-S-I-N-G-E-R. And there's a contact button there. So you can get in touch with me that way. And also I hope people check out Veg News. It is the world's leading vegan media brand. Kinder Beauty is an incredible, incredible, incredible company helmed by Daniela Monet and Ivana Lynch, which is a vegan cruelty-free subscription box. And I hope people check that out at kinderbeauty.com, especially the blog, which I create and really have a great time with. Um, so check that out too. On Instagram, I'm jasmine singer author. So that might be a good way of getting in touch with me as well. Again, no E on Jasmine. And I guess uh, if you can keep an eye out for the Veg News Guide to Being a Fabulous Vegan, it drops in December. I'm actually recording the audiobook this week, which I'm super excited about. And my final words is that you you can do something more to live in a way that you feel good about live in a way that is authentic to who you are as an activist and as a lifelong learner and we can do more to help animals so if you ponder that question i'm sure that something will come up for you and if you don't know then find a community who can support you in figuring out an answer.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for being here with us today. It was wonderful to spend a little bit of time with you. And please keep us um, up to date when the book drops and everything so we can share it with our community. I think everyone would love, love, love um, to not only hear about it um, from us, but anything that we can do to support your work would be Um, would be wonderful. So thank you so much, everyone who is listening to this, either live. Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you for your Um, for your hearts and appreciation. And for anyone who's listening to this on the podcast, we always love doing these sessions. We love hearing your feedback. We love it when you give us a little bit of love as well and give us those likes and those thumbs up. So we really appreciate hearing how much you enjoy today's podcast. So please use the feedback and please use our comments to let us know. And we look forward to seeing everyone in our next interview. Bye everyone.